I'm Elaine. I'm B. And this is Ken Tickets Haiku Recap Podcast. All right, here we go. Rolling into the second episode of season one. How are we feeling? How are you doing? Well, compared to last week, I have a lot more notes and a lot more to say. But I think it's just because we're finally getting into the swing of it and actually meeting everyone. Somehow, I feel like there's more happening in this episode, but also less. Like, in real time, there's just, like, not a lot, but we do get a lot of introductions and stuff. That's true. This episode was a lot of recap from what we had seen that previous episode, too. From the beginning part before the actual opening to the actual episode itself, there was a lot of recap back to what we'd already seen. Yeah, that's true. There is a lot of like going over things, which that kind of happens in every show. So exactly. you kind of get used to it. But um, I feel like this episode was like the episode I was I was really into the first episode and I knew that it was going to be a good show. But like meeting more characters is what got me like actually invested in it. Starting off at just the very beginning, how they're showing that recap again about how Kageyama's instantly like, I remember you, I just don't know your name. And we can see that he remembers him because the end of that first episode, we see him doing that same move that he did in that match. So we just see like the little bits of Shoyo making that impression and then Kageyama remembering it all the way up into meeting all these new characters. Yeah, that's true. And oh my God, that's me nuts because he he thinks all, he's like going through all of his memories of Hinata, like all these things that he remembers about that match. And then he's just like, yeah, I remember you. You were really bad. Exactly. And it just shows you how blunt he is because when Hinata was like, well, why did you come here? He just straight up was like the toughest school in the prefecture. I just couldn't get in. Just like straight to the point, honest about it. Yeah, he really, I mean, even later in the episode, it would have been so easy to just, like, lie to Daichi and be like, yeah, sure, I'll get along with him. Yeah, and he's, he's like, just so physically capable of lying. Exactly. And I think, honestly, that's part of his charm. For sure. That he's For just sure. so straightforward in what he says. And it's not a bad thing. It's, like, very sweet that he just sort of, he just like says it how it is we start to meet the other characters now so we're meeting the rest of the team and we meet uh Suga and Daichi and Tanaka and I have a good bit to say about Tanaka just in this first episode just about (laughs) his character as a whole go for it so we already see his personality how he's already outspoken doesn't really care about what he's gonna say but is making sure that these two like rowdy first years are gonna respect Daiji because he's the captain, he needs older. But we also see that like playful, like the charismatic side of him, like all in one and just like the depth of his character and how it goes so much deeper than just being this guy that has a huge crush on the third year manager. And we get to see like more about him just in this first like few minutes of knowing him. And I really love that about Tanaka, just how he has so much depth and dimension that like, throughout the series 
Yeah, and they really could have made him like like a like a Minetta, like a throwaway character that is like exactly just kind of rude about women and like doesn't have a lot of personality and is like comic relief. But he's actually, I think, one of the most well thought out characters and like he provides that comic relief, but you also get to know him as a person and like find out all of his internal struggles and like why he thinks the way he thinks and all of these things about him. And even from this first episode, like you can see that he has this punk demeanor or whatever, but he's still willing to like wake up at like four in the morning to go and like meet exactly and help them. Like he's, he's a sweet guy. He's so caring. He honestly didn't need to do it because he kept being all like, I don't understand. Like, yeah, they're talented, I guess, but like a little bit he thinks of it, but he still didn't hesitate in mentioning the fact that they're going to practice at seventh and they could get here earlier and going with them and like supporting them through all this because he's a caring person. He really is good somebody. He's so sweet. He's so, so precious. So what do we think of the other two? We have Daichi and, and Suga too. I I like Suga. I, I wish <laughs> that we could know more about him because as of now he's very two-dimensional in a sense to me where he kind of just like he kind of does his own thing and I love how later on in season four we get to see just how chaotic and fun he is but just like at this first moment that you meet him he's kind of just very um and it's weird because I, I don't know I don't know if this has to do with like when like the anime like at, at the similar shift of like when the animation changed they really changed the portrayal that he had um, exactly. because in the manga he's always like that like he's always kind of yeah like pulling up people and like rowdy and like kind of he gets really fired up about stuff too and they don't really show that's that why in the first couple seasons yeah and that's the side of him that I love about how he is like he kind of like like an instigator in a sense and like he loves riling them up and he loves having fun with them but this first season the first yeah the first few seasons actually you kind of just see that one dimensional side of him where it's kind of just like second in command almost it's not him having like the fun yeah he chaotic he side of him he just has that like oh it's like the right hand man but he doesn't really have a lot of personality in the beginning but at the same time I am like a huge sucker for the anime boy with white hair and a mole like that is I mean that is like peak character design that's that's his charm he's just so he's just so like pleasing to look at I think he's I love his character design yeah he is he just has like a cute face and like when he yawns and his tongue sticks out and like the way he like flexes his hands when he's like walking (laughs) stuff like that like his facial expressions are really fun and like funny to watch so you do get that part of his personality it's just we don't get like the crazy part so fast you don't really get that to that till season four and that's when not only are they trying to incorporate the art style from the manga, but actually also like the personalities of it. We have Daichi as well. He's got like the most lines in the episode. He talks so much. He really does. I noticed that. This Daichi, is the most he talks in the whole show. Honestly, I would say and the thing with Daichi is that he just has this demeanor about him that like makes me like want to listen to him. As much as I'm like a Daichi hater sometimes, like it works. <laughs> He came in very effectively as a character. And I think that's what makes him so, like, good for a captain for Crossno because you have all these 
chaotic characters coming together and then you have Daichi that's like the voice of reason that's like stop and it just like quiet we'll 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 like have to talk about all the captains specifically as they come up but he's definitely the right fit for Karasuno because exactly you know sometimes too many strong personalities all in a room at once it can get a little messy but he's definitely a an equalizer Exactly. In terms of Krasno, he's the perfect fit. Because if we were to switch him and like Oikawa even, it would be just a train wreck. A train wreck. And I adore Oikawa, but he could not handle them. And then Daichi would just butt head with everyone. It's just like the perfect fit for them. Yeah, he's definitely the choice for Captain. I love that moment when no one is like noticing Hinata and he's like bouncing around them as they talk to Kageyama. And then he's like, whoa, he's so big. she's back like he's so cute I think that's another charm that Hinata has just these little one-liners little things that he says that like no one ever hears just him like his little bathroom songs just him like talking to himself in his own little world he really is just like high schoolers are so big like hon you're in high school but going back to the being ignored thing it like mirrors how he is as a player even about how no one really paid attention to him until he did that move where he like jumped really high and was like running really fast and then people were like wait a second he has some potential and then we have honestly one of my favorite scenes with the vice principal okay so you know how i said that there are no villains in iq I'm rescinding that statement because this man is my enemy. I hate him so much. The vice principal has so many issues. With the 2K alone, he just causes so much issue. Even Tanaka even says it about how there's always an issue with him. You know he can't be a good educator when like students are like, oh, he's like, he like makes trouble. Like he makes trouble for them on purpose. Oh, I hate him so much. And I'll have way more to say when we get to uh, Nishinoya, but I really and then even like, season I, two with him, I can't. But just something about something about that ball hitting his face slow motion and that two pages flying off, it just gets me every time. Because it goes back to like the campiness that the series is as a whole, and now it's not always so intense and about volleyball that they're just they're just having fun. It's so funny and like I'm not normally one to like think that I don't usually enjoy like physical comedy or like those (laughs) kinds of slapstick moments but this show just like executes them so perfect it's perfect (laughs) you have Daichi yelling at them to stop and then the vice principal being like oh they're not listening to you and then all of a sudden just I think it's so funny it gets me every single time and sometimes I'm like, are you really laughing that hard at this show? But I just... I it's just the little thing. thing. Oh my god, it's so funny to me that Hinata and Kageyama are having this, like, dramatic-ass conversation and, like, not even paying attention to this man's, like, existence. Like, they don't even say hello to him. They are, like, completely in their own little world of bickering with one another. And I think it's just a good example of just their characters as a whole about how they're so hyper-fixated on, like, volleyball that everything else kind of is just there or not even there like they don't even see <laughs> I think it's so great honestly I do too I think it's sweet especially as so, someone who like if there was an authority figure in the room I would be like oh, I have to be 100%. so like perfect but they're like they just like don't give a shit at all 
going back to the two of them as a whole, something I noticed that I have never noticed before in watching is that when they're first starting before the toupee even gets knocked off, when they're first starting and Kageyama does that jump serve, you can hear Orkawa's theme playing in the background with it. Oh my god. Wait, wait, Orkawa's theme? The one that's like, um... The trumpet? The tr- like the jazzy one? <laughs> yes. Okay. I haven't noticed it till watching this time around that when he did that jump serve, that he's literally mirroring the same thing that Orkawa does and his theme's playing in the background. Oh I was god. like, I think that's so clever of them. It is. And that's the first time we hear Oikawa's theme, which it fucking slaps. I love hearing it. I think it's so the much. best, the best I hear theme and in I the entire series. Absolutely. I have it saved to my it. Spotify. I just, so much serotonin every time I listen to it. I just adore it. It's honestly perfect. I mean, the whole soundtrack for the show is it's incredibly oh, it's so good. good. It's so good. From the like titles alone to like the themes, it just. Yeah. The scores are so, like, they aren't distracting. But they are very, it's like very clear what is happening and like why that music is playing. And the music fits the person who it's like for so well. Like usually when we hear that, that trumpet sound, it's, it's Toru and he's like, he's like doing his thing and it's just, it's stunning. I, I love the music in this show. It's so great. I hear it and I just, I, all I think about, I I literally had to pause it and rewind it and pause it and rewind it because I was like, this is it. Okay, and then we get okay. to Daichi's speech. I was actually about to mention that, and it goes back to those parallels of that teamwork about how Kageyama's poor teamwork was detrimental for Kitagawa Daichi as a whole and not in their loss, and then how Shoya never really actually had that team, and so that lack of teamwork is going to prevent him from being able to play volleyball again. So it's kind of like the things that were holding them back before are starting to hold them back again because they don't have that teamwork that Daichi keeps talking about. Yeah, and we're we're also introduced to like the team as an as an entity. Like so we have our our second metaphor about like overcoming obstacles. We have like the wall mm-hmm. metaphor and now we're getting to like the flightless crow metaphor. The flightless crows. And we're we're like setting up the underdog narrative for not only Hinata, but like the entire team as a whole. Exactly. I also think it's really important that they they made a very believable underdog story because they're not like garbage. They're not like the worst team ever, right? They're still top eight in the prefect. They have, not, they have individual skill that they just need to try to fit together to make a team. Yeah, and it's like they just didn't have the right opportunities, the right coaching, the right moment for it. Exactly. Um, but it's important to note that, like, I feel like sometimes I don't like when the narrative is, like, too unbelievable and, like, disproportionate. That it's, like, not even, there's there's no way that that could feasibly happen in reality. But with this show, it's like, yeah, they, they've never been horrible. They're just, like, in a slump. So a little after we hear Daichi's speech, we can kind of see them playing in the gym as Hinata and Kageyama walk from, watch from outside. And we see by far my favorite player from Karasuno and one of my favorite second generation captains for that little one second screen time that I just had to bring up because when I saw him, I was just so happy. I love Anoshida so much. I seriously think this is so funny. Like, what is it? Like, why do you love him so much? He doesn't do anything. You get to know him a little bit more in the later seasons from season two when he gets to sub in. And then season four, when like, you see like all the second years talking about Tanaka and the thing with Kyogo, 
I think just something about him has always just like drawn me in. He's just so sweet and so hardworking. And I just have a thing for characters that have like little to no screen time, I guess. I mean, that's relatable. Like I don't like wax poetically about Shibayama, who does nothing. I think it's sweet that you like him so much. I adore him. And I'm just waiting for the moment that we get to see him in his full glory. He has so many good moments. Oh my goodness. And then along with the Noshida, we get to see Kyoko, finally. Yes, uh, this introduction, it's rough. I find it rough, um, but I mean, it's anime, so that's what you can expect. I wish it I... didn't take them four seasons for her to have like a personality, uh, but. Oh, 100%. I adore Kyoko. Same thing with Suga, that you don't get like to meet her until so much later on. Yeah, I feel like you get like one perception, you build up like one perception of what she is as a character and then kind of everything changes like 200 chapters later. You're like, well, why'd you let me think that about her for so long? But we also get to know, get to start learning about her and Tanaka's relationship as a whole that comes into play later on. And I think it's sweet. I do too. I think it's just so sweet to me. He gets brushed off and then he just is so like enamored by her even after she like turns him down. It's just typical high school boy having a crush. Yeah, I normally kind of, I I normally really dislike relationships like this that are like the love at first sight um, high school crush relationship that like Mm -hmm. works out because I feel like that's just like, when does that happen? Like it doesn't. So cliche, never really. Them, it's like, okay, I can get behind this. It was that like gradual buildup that they had too, where it kind of was like they first see each other and they're so like shocked, but it wasn't like automatically. It kind of like took all that time for them to start building up that relationship and getting to know each other more. And it just, I think it just fit for them like so perfectly. Yeah. And I think the fact that like, Kyoko never shot him down, but she also didn't really give him a chance until he had already changed his perspective a little bit. Because I feel like by the end of the year, like the way that he acts towards him, like after, during and after Nationals is like very different from the Tanaka that we see at the beginning of the show. And it's also when Tanaka starts to finally like gain a different perspective on things too, that they're both kind of like evolving. Right. Yeah. And I mean, we'll, we'll talk about that when we finally get to season four, we talk about, um, what's her name? I can't remember her name. And how even during that entire thing, he was so conflicted because he still did have those feelings for Kyoko as a whole. Kanoka. That's her name. Yeah. That's like really a turning point for him because we we shouldn't be talking about this. (laughs) That's something that we'll get into later. Yeah, we'll get into that. We'll get into why that's important. But yeah, we meet we meet Kyoko. And I, I like that she never really turns anyone down. She's kind of just like, no, thank you. In a, in a very like, she's minding her business kind of way. Exactly. She's kind of doing her own thing, trying to support the team the best she can. Just, she's so sweet. Yeah, I really do love her. I just wish, you know, there wasn't oh, so much sure. like casual <laughs> sexism that happened. But that's life. Um, okay, then we get to them like having that conversation when they make the the deal. Kageyama saying that 
he needs to be center and like yes. getting so distraught over the fact that he may not so be distraught. able to play a center. Before we start talking about Kageyama, can I just say there is nothing cuter than them counting off before they say their like chant together? Yes, to try to make sure that they're saying it together. And then Suga even calls them out about it. Darling, I think it's so cute. They can work together. They, they practiced that, didn't they? I think when it comes to mutual cause, then they're more willing to work together because they're both wanting to play. Kageyama wants to be said or Shoyo just wants to play that they're like, you know what? We work together and do this and we'll get to do what we want. They're, they're getting there. You can see like, it's like so slow in this first episode because they're still fighting the whole time, but they're definitely like sort of starting to level out in a way, like rehearsing their little speech and like, just sort of getting to know each other while they're like sitting out on the stairs like hating their lives and then Kageyama even says we won't lose you have me on your side and while the implication about it was that Kageyama thinks he's a really great player that they're going to be fine it kind of like gave that little bit of support to Unita that like they can get through it together that they're going to figure out a way to actually be able to play right it's not actual teamwork yet because Kageyama is still saying I'm going to do all the work but he's saying you'll benefit from it. Exactly. Like, and that's part of being on a team too, is you know, letting people who are more suited for a, a thing do it. He even said closer to the end about how when they announced that Tanaka's gonna be with them, that he's like, Oh, I can give it to Tanaka. So he's like, I'm not completely hopeless then. Just like not completely getting that teamwork just yet, but slowly starting to like not be so it's me. So then we get into Kageyama's speech about being the setter. For me, this is the first time that I like him. Like, this is the first time that I think he's a likable person, is when he talks genuinely about how he feels about volleyball and his position. And you can just, like, see all of this passion and emotion inside of him that makes his, like, sort of brash anger it, it it mellows it out a little bit and I feel like this is exactly. this was the first moment that I was like oh, okay I have a character it stems more from him just having the actual passion that he has and I feel like the reason he's so adamant on being fetter comes from just like so many different things leading up to it because we have Okawa who he shadowed for the longest time we have his team as a whole we have his like family even and like that's gonna come later like within the first episode where we get to know more about it but these little things that like want like that pushed him to want to become a setter so badly yeah there's definitely a lot going on there there's a lot of elements to why he wants this specific thing um I also think it's interesting that he speaks like about control so much he's like it's the most dominant it's the most controlled position that definitely speaks to how he is as a person and his life experience I noticed that too. He kept referring to the setter being like the control tower, my one in command of it. Yeah. Also, I think that this is a moment where you can really tell that he is like cut out to professionally be an athlete and like be in volleyball professionally because from my experience, like this is how all people who are in like highly competitive, highly um, emotionally driven fields, like sports and like darts, this is how they talk about like what they care about everyone I know can go on like long 
drawn out rants about minute details of our profession because it's just for you to be successful you have to be obsessed and they even say that in the show it's like you have to be obsessed with it which comes up a lot and this is the first time that we see like he doesn't just like it because he's good at it he's good at it because he likes it yeah for sure and I think it just goes a lot back to who he is as a character in general like we're saying in the beginning how he's very just like straightforward about what he wants to do and this is what he wants to do yeah I'm surprised it doesn't really come up like that much like he doesn't explicitly say at least not for a significant portion of the show that he wants to like be a professional volleyball player like he doesn't actually really say that but I mean it's just it's just like obvious it's like just an obvious next step like because you know he's just not gonna stop for these characters that you see like how much passion they have for it it's like you know that they're going to keep going on versus the characters that played it because they enjoyed it and they liked working with the team where it's kind of like when they didn't you were kind of like that makes sense yeah yeah it's like I'm pretty sure there was nobody that I was surprised that they became a professional volleyball player or that they didn't like, I'm not surprised in any way that, like, um, I don't know, that, like, there don't was, didn't try to become was, a professional volleyball player. Exactly. And I didn't think you'd do. But there was one that wasn't necessarily a surprise, but more kind of just, like, a, like I found it, like, interesting. But that's one that we can kind of talk about a little bit later when we start to get to know that character more. Where I, wasn't I know exactly surprised. what you're talking about. I wasn't surprised, but it was kind of nice to see it. I was kind of like, okay. I know exactly what you're talking about, and I agree 100%, but we'll get into that. We'll get into that. We'll get into it. When we meet this character, we'll talk about that for sure, but the Daichi thing, I completely agree. Yeah, like, I'm I couldn't not surprised. See him, or like I couldn't see him on being pro. A lot of the characters we meet later on, it's like, you just know, even the ones from, like, really good teams, you know who, who wants to take that path and who doesn't, just by how they talk about the game and like their feelings towards it and like their either enthusiasm or like focus either way you can see who is like really in it when it goes beyond just being something they do for fun to something that they've dedicated so much of their life to okay um we start coming to the end now yes um they have their first little race which i think is so cute i love that they do that and then of course Hinata just has to forget something because he's just I forgot my bag. in all sense. And also to the work, he's just chaotic. And then they're going to the gym and then they're fighting over just to go on first. And you just see how competitive they are. Just this like the little things that they're always competed over, whether it's a race or who gets in first or who said it better, who gets the better grade, just this competitive nature that they have that they use to like push off each other. It's so funny too because they're only like that with each other like because it's only that competitive nature that he has with Kageyama and I think that's why they click and they work together so well yeah they really um push each other in a way that's like very specific and hard to come by that that doesn't create animosity because I've been in that position with people and it often doesn't end well but they managed to make it work fairly well but until a certain point but um (laughs) I think oh. it starts to turn more into a friendly competition as they start to like grow and get to know each other better, where it's not so much 
them trying to beat each other just more of like a fun competitive nature that they start to get yeah they're 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 like little challenges as they become not just rivals but also friends is like exactly they they change the way that they treat those two and for me I'm competitive about everything it could be a card game or like an actual performance that I have and I just am so competitive with it but it's never in the sense of me wanting to be the best it's just no, I guess it can be sometimes. <laughs> but I, think, I was going to say. I think that's what it turns into. Where it went more from like them trying to be the best one to just enjoying the competition and enjoying going against each other. Because that's what it can start to turn into. Right. Like you're not going to take a like seven mile run to like a completely different area of the town that you live in because you don't like being around that person that you're with. Like you know they they like get lost together like that's not gonna happen if you don't like being around somebody and it's funny that they keep up so much of this like rivalry when they're like friends by like the third episode all four seasons you see it I think it's just so fun and I think it just works so well for them and it's why they work so well together and I think it definitely fits in like with the fact that the only reason that Kaoyama and Hinata can be such good friends is because they both have that same like they'll push back on something you know like Hinata is never gonna take it lying down when Kageyama you know says that he's stupid or whatever he's like look who's talking exactly Everything. and it's just like this witty banter between the two of them and I think it's just it's always so fun just listening to their arguments, like even in the background when they're still just going at it with each other and you hear other people talking about other things, doing other things. They just always, always are trying to rile each other up. Okay. I think that that is, that's like all the notes that I have. The only last note I have is about that little preview yet for the next episode where we start to meet even more characters, including a character that I have mixed feelings about and a character I really like. Yeah, we do get some interesting, um, we get some interesting characters that are definitely, we, we might have some not so positive things to say about certain people that come up. Let's just set the record straight right now that we're probably going to be brutally honest. And if we dislike a character that you're pat- that you enjoy, no hard feelings. Because I have characters that I like that not a lot of people do or not a lot of people talk about. There's a lot of characters. True, true. And, you know, this is just us. Uh, we're talking to each other and you're listening. So if you, <laughs> you don't want to hear it, then... That's pretty much what it is. It's just us talking to each other. Right, bye. <laughs> but, but yeah. All right. Well, I guess that is all we have to say about episode two. That's really it for me. Yeah. See you next week. Bye.